right. Hey, a couple of uh, just pieces of information for you, okay? Typically, this Sunday of each the past few years has been our Vision Sunday. We're moving that to February 23rd, so I want you to know that if you expected, which I know most of you did not, all right? But if you did, guess what? Uh, no church business stuff today, all right? How many of you are so disappointed by that? Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't even tell you the date. I should just let you come in and be surprised. Huh? Uh, I think we're going to be at the beach that weekend, right? So anyway, that's one piece of information for you. The second piece of information is this. Um, our audiovisual lighting team said, hey, you know what we want to do? We want to throw kind of a Super Bowl party. And so we want to utilize this nice big screen, big screen, big screen. And uh, so next Tuesday, no, next Sunday at 2.30, that's what I'm trying to say, all right? At 2.30, uh, there's going to be uh, kind of a Super Bowl party here. It's family friendly. Bring food, all right? No child care, no kitchen open, but you can come. We'll just turn this place into, I don't know what, all right? So anyway, that's next Sunday uh, for the Super Bowl. And then the other thing I wanted you to know is we kind of did this three-week series on habits, and I was pretty vulnerable with all of you, and I appreciate everybody who brought uh, vegetables to the church this week for me, all right? I was good, all right? I've had my, my fill of vegetables. Thank you for that. I also really want to appreciate the uh, anonymous person who brought me the do not feed the pastor sign <laughs> for my office. So uh, I'm going to hang that up right outside so everybody can, can see. So whoever that was, thank you for that. Um, and thanks for the vegetables, all right? I uh, really appreciate that. And really what we're trying to do is just get very practical. Last year we did a series on small things, big results, or, or small things make a big difference. And so we just wanted to practically look at developing some healthy habits for ourselves as we enter the new year. And nothing that by the 16th or 17th of February we'll be saying, ah, failed that one, right? We want to be able to keep going and keep moving. We also last fall spent a lot of time developing this idea of messy love. And what does messy love look like? What does Jesus really teach us about love and, and how grace and truth are always in a, in a balance? And grace and truth can only be in a balance when love is the pillar that holds the two up. And so we talked very, very kind of philosophically and biblically about that idea. What we want to do today is just do a three or four week series here where we look practically at how Jesus loved. We want to love like Jesus He's our model. He's our example. And so today we're going to talk about forgiveness. And uh, forgiveness is always such a great, fun topic to talk about in the church. Because I can tell by the crickets in the room already. Great. He's going to ask me to forgive. Yeah, I, I am. I am. I love what C.S. Lewis said about forgiveness in mere Christianity. He says this, I said in a previous chapter that chastity was the most unpopular of the Christian virtues. Then he says, but I am not sure I was right. I believe there is one even more unpopular, and it is laid down in the Christian rule, which is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Because in Christian morals, thy neighbor includes thy enemy. And so we come up against this terrible duty of forgiving who? Our enemies. And everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And then to mention the subject at all is to be greeted with howls of anger 
It is not that people think this too high and difficult of virtue. It is that they think it is hateful and contemptible. That sort of talk makes them sick, they say. I love what C.S. Lewis says because sometimes when we're asked to forgive somebody who's done something to us, it almost seems as if we're crazy even asking, why would you dare do that? So I want to tell you a little bit about my story, all right? I was a Bible college student. I was 19 years old, and I began to experience this big idea of forgiveness, And it started with the study of one particular passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. It says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We all know that, right? We even say in the Lord's Prayer, this is a part of the Lord's Prayer, the teaching that Jesus gave us. These are red letters. If you forgive, then God will forgive you. But there's this great big but in there. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now we read that part of the verse and all of a sudden I go, yikes. And, and what I tended to do is, well, was Jesus serious? Was he being figurative? Was this literal? Was this, was this really, these are red letters. Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he's given us this instruction. He's saying, if you forgive, God will forgive. If you don't forgive, God will will not forgive. Everybody catch that? How does that sit? A little uncomfortable? Like, was Jesus serious? Was he, was he sure? Was it for real? Was Jesus really teaching something here? And this is the reality when we enter, when we enter this topic, forgiveness. I know that as we talk in a crowd this size, there's some of us in this room who have been abused brutally. Some of you were molested as a kid. And some of you were robbed and, and taken from. And some of you were beaten. And some of you were treated terribly by the people that you needed to trust. Some of you have been mistreated by a boss or by a friend who's gossiped about you or lied about you. And so I know this. And so we read Jesus' words, and Jesus says, forgive so that you can be forgiven. And if you don't forgive, then you can't be forgiven. All of a sudden, I have to ask the question, how do I forgive what seems to be so unforgivable? How do we forgive what seems to be logically unforgivable, especially as we start talking about all the things that have been done to us, that's hurt us, the pain that's been inflicted in our lives and upon us. How do we do this? And I remember distinctly my freshman year of Bible college, journeying down this road, reading those verses and going, was Jesus serious? Was this for real? And so I wrote this. I think February of 99, so I'm going on almost 21 years that this piece of paper has been stuffed in one of my keepsake places. It says this, I wrote it, sometimes it's difficult to understand God's love. (laughs) Sometimes it's just as difficult to share God's love. I wrote this, at one point in my life I had no problem saying that I hated my dad. And the last time I saw him was in 93, just before he was incarcerated in Colorado State Prison. He came to visit for Christmas, but the gift I received was the worst Christmas of my life. 
He was supposed to be there for my brother and I, yet he spent most of his time sleeping or doing what he wanted to do. And throughout my life, he never acted like a father. Time after time, he made promises and broke them. I needed my father, but he was not there. Or the image of a father that I had was distorted and quite ugly. Despite all the pain and anger, this past Christmas break, something changed. Through the counsel of friends and the study of Matthew chapter 6, I was convicted that I needed to change my attitude. And I can honestly say that I no longer hate my dad. I want to love him, and I want to forgive him unconditionally, just as Jesus loves and forgives me, although it's very difficult to do. I've realized that one of the greatest examples in my life is my dad, mainly because I have learned what not to do. So if I want to look at how to be a great husband, son, and father, I just need to do the opposite of what my dad did. But I also know that God has control of the overall picture, and he does work things out for the good of those who love him. I want to be like Jesus, and I want to forgive my dad. Not only forgive him, but love him like Jesus loves me. And the door is now open for a relationship. I may be setting myself up to get hurt, but through Jesus I can forgive my dad again and again and again, just like he forgives me again and again and again, doing my best to love him. Perhaps through me, even my dad may come to know the love of Jesus in a very personal, real way. I wrote that, and it was the journey for me that began forgiveness for life, understanding how to forgive, who to forgive, why to forgive. My dad did things that he didn't deserve to be forgiven for. My dad treated us in ways that we shouldn't have been treated. I was beaten in ways that I should have never been beaten. And so I asked the question over and over, how do I forgive what seems to be so unforgivable? And what I love about Jesus is Jesus in some of his most desperate moments, Jesus in what seems to be the the pivotal of his life on the cross demonstrates forgiveness for us in such an incredible way. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts, or sorry, turn to Luke chapter 23. I want us to look at this. I want us to understand really what was going on. So Luke chapter 23, verse 32 It says this, and this is after Jesus has been unfairly uh, put on trial, right? He's been condemned to death. He's been punished. He's got his charge against him. And so it says this in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place that's called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And so Jesus has already gone through some whippings and some beatings. He's been mocked. He's been spit upon all the way up to the place they called the skull. He's been paraded as a criminal. And they get up there and they're going to hoist him up on this cross where he can be crucified, the Roman death. The crowds have mocked him. They've spit on him. They've laughed in his face. He's already gone through these unfair trials, these brutal beatings and whippings, and now he is hoisted up to be crucified on the cross, and not a couple feet off the ground, hoisted up, so that every time he had to take a breath, it was excruciating and painful and took every ounce of energy that he might have had. It goes on, verse 35, and the people stood by, watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, if he's the chosen one. Now picture this, right? He's he's now hanging on the cross. And these rulers, 
People in charge, the soldiers. Huh? Jesus, huh? Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man. God in the flesh. If you're so tough, why don't you come down from there? I mean, if you're really God, then why don't you save yourself? I mean, if you're really who you say you are, do something about it. Don't just hang there. Oh, stuck up there, are you? I mean, can you imagine what's going on? And so the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you were king of the Jews, save yourself. And this was the inscription above his head. This is the king of the Jews. And save yourself. It's like salt to the wound that's already happened. And then, and then to make matters worse, the two criminals who, who did commit crimes, who probably did deserve to be hanging there, they start to mock Jesus too. And one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? I mean, if you're really Jesus, why don't you save yourself? And by the way, why don't you save us? I mean, if you're really almighty God in the flesh, why don't you do something about your predicament? Why don't you do something about this? Can you feel the intensity of what's going on with Jesus now? But the other rebuked him. Huh, do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? Huh, God-fearing, are you? Look where that got you. Oh, you think your faith's so tough, huh? How's your faith working for you now? In the middle of all of this, the verse I didn't read, this is what Jesus says. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus seems to forgive what's unforgivable. Really? Jesus seems to model for us how to forgive the unforgivable. He forgives sinners. And if we're going to love like Jesus, then we have to forgive like Jesus. If we're going to love like him, then we have to forgive like him. And I know that so many of us as we enter in here, we're wounded and we're hurting. We've been abused. We've been taken advantage of. We've been betrayed. You've been treated poorly. People have gossiped about you. They've lied to your face about you and to others about you. And maybe you've been cheated on and maybe you have a parent who hurt you or maybe you are a parent and your kids have made choices that you never would have made for them had you been able to make the choice. A lot of us were holding grudges against someone not even living. And somehow they've got a control over us that's crazy. And maybe it's because of your own hurt. Maybe it's because of bitterness that's developed toward God. And maybe, maybe you're mad at yourself. And maybe you can't even forgive them because you struggle to be able to forgive yourself. What needs to be forgiven? And so the question is this, how, how do I forgive? How do I forgive like Jesus forgave? How do I do this? And this is not life-shattering information. These are simple things that you can begin doing, that I can begin doing, that will help us forgive, ultimately loving like Jesus loves. And the first one is this, we have to pray for those who hurt us. We have to pray for those who hurt me. 
You have to pray for those who have hurt you, who have betrayed you, who have abused you, who have cheated on you, who have taken from you. We have to forgive those who hurt us. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, But I say to you who hear, you've heard it said, love your, or sorry, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Uh, do you capture what Jesus is saying? Luke's recording this, because this is crazy teaching of the time. This was crazy teaching. He, he says this, I say to you who hear, if you've got ears and you can hear, listen to what I say is what Jesus is saying. Love your enemies. What? Do good to those who hate you. What? Bless those who curse you. How many of you would have stopped listening to Jesus right there? And then he says, pray for those who abuse you. Pray for those. And I know we all have a different idea of what prayer really is. I printed this song off by a guy named uh, Jaron. You probably may have heard it. It's called Pray For You. It says this, I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get, get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. You just pray for them. And so the rest of the song, he prays for them. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. <laughs> I pray a, a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. <laughs> I'm really glad I found my way to church because I'm already feeling better and I thank God for the words. Yes, I'm going to take the high road and do what the preacher told me to do. You keep messing up and I'll keep praying for you. I pray your tire blows out at 110. I, uh, I pray your brakes go out running down a hill and a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head. I pray... Your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just wherever you are, just know I'm praying for you. Now, I'm not sure that's what Jesus had in mind. I'm actually pretty sure that's not what Jesus had in mind. We don't, we don't pray for hemorrhoids for our worst enemy, all right? We just, we just don't do that. We've got to take a different road, a different attitude, right? Because this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5. You've heard it said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard us that. Love your neighbor, love your friends, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now Jesus, he's preaching this. He's at the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon he ever preached, right? He's got Jews there. He's got the Jewish leader. He's got Roman soldiers who are present because there's a crowd there. And so here's Jesus. He's saying, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to forgive those who hurt you. I want you to bless those who curse you. I want you to love those who hate you. I want you to do all of these things. Now I want you to pray for those who persecute you. And the Romans are sitting there going, huh, not happening. We're all about conquering our enemies. Like, like whoever our enemy is, they're going down. You want to fight against us, you're going to get all of us. You're going to get all of us. As a matter of fact, the Romans even worshipped a revenge god named Nemesis. Did you know this? 
So nemesis is who they relied on for their strength when they went conquering their enemies because you don't pray for your enemies. You don't love your enemies. You don't bless your enemies. You kill your enemies. And then the Jews are there, and they're listening to Jesus, who is a Jew, this great rabbi, carpenter, teacher. And he says, what? Pray for those who persecute you. They go, no, 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 no. No, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth and blood for blood. That's our motto. So could you imagine what the crowds thought when Jesus was speaking these words? Probably some of what we feel too. Did someone hurt you? Has anyone ever devastated you? Pray for them. Pray for them. Have you ever had a friend lie about you? Or talk about you behind your back? Have you ever had a boss who mistreated you? Pray for them. Pray for them. Have you ever had a parent abandon you and leave you? A parent abuse you? A child treat you poorly? Or a friend who let you down? Pray for them. Pray for them. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. That's, that's the first step we have to take. If we are going to find it in us to forgive, we have to begin praying. And the reason Jesus taught this was because my attitude always affects my actions. And if my attitude's not right, then my actions are probably not going to be right. Even when my attitude's right, my actions sometimes struggle to be right. But Jesus was teaching this because my attitude always affects my actions. Always does. And if I wait to feel good to forgive, guess what? We're probably never going to forgive. Jesus is going to have to come back himself. We'll never actually do it. And I don't think that Jesus instructed us to pray for those who hurt us because he had the offender in mind. The reason Jesus instructed us to forgive was because he wanted our attitudes to change, which would ultimately change our actions and help us become more like him. See, my prayer for others always changes me. When I'm praying for other people, there's always something in me that begins to change even when they don't. Even if my prayers don't change them, my prayers will always change me. My dad, still a meth addict, 58 years old, living in a camper trailer on somebody's property with the windows door hanging and windows broken out of it. He's got some guy in the oil field who puts a tab for food at the Oasis Bar in Douglas, Wyoming, $200 a month so we can go in and get a warm meal. I've seen him a few times hoping that it would be different, but knowing I needed to forgive, but then not having any expectations that anything would be different. My grandma's funeral in December, I saw him. I thought, hey, you know what? He came to the funeral. I was able to talk to him, and the funeral was over, and as soon as it was over, he was gone. I thought, I thought maybe we could have dinner, or he'd come to the family dinner or something, but he didn't. My dad hasn't changed. But my prayer for my dad has certainly changed me for the last 21 years. My prayer for others always changes me, even if it doesn't change them. So how do I forgive? How do I forgive? i got to pray for those who hurt me. How do I forgive? 
I got to forgive as I've been forgiven. That's what I have to do. Now, now I have to forgive others just as Jesus has forgiving, forgiven me. And that's what we're called to do. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, here it is, forgive each other. How? As the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I guess the question that I would ask us is holding on to a grudge, holding on to something that you need to forgive, how is it working for you? Is it making your life better, or do you catch yourself being tripped up by this thing you're holding on to so often and for, and for so long without any movement in it? What good is it doing you holding on to all of these things and this unforgiveness and this grudge? What we have to do is we have to take it to God because when we place ourselves at the foot of the cross, suddenly we're just one sinner among every other sinner. We're one broken person around among other broken people. Take it to God. We've got to let it go. Whatever someone said to us, whatever someone has done to us, no matter how somebody has hurt us, we have to take it to him. And by the way, this doesn't give a person the freedom to come back into your life and do it all over again. And you need to understand that. Because I think sometimes we think, well, if I forgive them, then I have to go back to the way it was. No, no, no. Sometimes we have to forgive people and they will never know we've actually forgiven them. And that's okay. That's an entirely another, another talk for us at some point. We call it boundaries, right? Creating safe boundaries and, and healthy boundaries. It's important for us to do, but you still have to forgive by thinking that you have to let them back into your life. And if that's keeping you and be, making you reluctant to actually forgive, man, we got to change that. Got to change that perspective. Forgiving someone will not change the past. We have to understand that. Forgiving my dad didn't change what he did to me. Forgiving my dad didn't make my dad issues just go away. Forgiving my dad didn't change all of that, but what it did do is it drastically changed my future. When we forgive, it won't change it. It doesn't make it go away but it will change us and it will change our future. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't if I hadn't have been able to forgive. Because what the unforgiveness was doing to me is it was starting to build up bitterness and anger and there was rage. And here I was, a Bible college student, getting ready to prepare to tell other people that they needed to forgive, but I myself could hold on to mine because I'm justified. You know what that would have done to my life had I not begun the process of forgiveness? There's one more idea. Pray for those who hurt us. Again, not life-shattering. Simple, simple. Just begin praying for the people who have hurt you. If you're holding on to something, begin praying. Second thing is we have to understand that we've been forgiven, and therefore we need to forgive like Jesus forgave us. 
The third and final thought is this. I have to include myself. You see, we talked a lot about the abused, the broken, the people who have been hurt by somebody. But the reality is, is a room this size with this many people, some of us might be the abuser, might be the liar, might be the one who stole something, who gossiped about somebody. And the reality is when it comes to forgiveness, we have to include ourselves in being forgiven. And too often, too often we live this life, we live this life feeling entitled or justified as if I don't have to do the work for myself. That that forgiveness, well, that pertains to the person who hurt me. Or forgiveness, that's not my story. That's somebody else's story. But the reality is we have to include ourselves in the forgiveness. We can never forgive like Jesus forgave us if we haven't been forgiven by Jesus. And so we have to include ourselves. I love what, love what Corey Ten Boone said. He says this, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is the power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. In other words, you know what Corey's saying? She's saying when we forgive, forgiveness sets the prisoner free. But who's the prisoner? It's me and it's you. You see, the other person who's hurt us, they're moving on with their life. They're going on with it. And you've been shackled. You've got this bitterness and this hatred and this anger and this unforgiveness that shackled you. And how well are you able to do life with your hands cuffed? And so what we have to do, what we have to do is we have to come to the place where we include ourselves. And we, we allow him to break the chains of bitterness. And we allow him to break the shackles of selflessness. And we let him unlock the door of resentment. And we let him, we let him remove the handcuffs of hatred. Man, I don't know about you. But I don't know that I like this topic called forgiveness. There's probably a lot of other topics that we could talk about. Here's what I want you to do, just right now. What's something that you have to forgive? And I started with what is something that you have to forgive because it usually starts that way with a that. And then I want you to attach the that to the who. Who do you need to forgive? You know what I've learned about forgiveness? It's really the only question I need to ask. And most of us, it's already there, isn't it? Who, who do you need to forgive? And I know what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do seems to be impossible. It does, doesn't it? And some of you, you're sitting there, and I know this, I know this, because I was you at one point, all right? Some of you are sitting there, and you're thinking, you don't know what you're asking me to do. I, I do. I do know what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to love like Jesus. <laughs> That's what I'm asking you to do. Love like Jesus. 
Why? Because we all want to become like him. And to love like Jesus means we forgive like Jesus, who on the cross, while being mocked and yelled at, being crucified, nailed to a piece of timber, hoisted up for all to see, soldiers mocking him, Jewish religious leaders making fun of him, The criminals that he has been charged with are even mocking him. I mean, what do they have to lose, right? And Jesus, while hanging on the cross, which was excruciatingly painful, and every time he took a breath, would have to find himself rising up on the stake through his feet just to capture his breath, was able to say, Father, Forgive them. I know what I'm asking you to do is hard. And it seems impossible. But I hope that our desire of becoming like Jesus is greater than the bitterness we want to hold on to. Some of you, I get it. I know some of your stories. I'm looking up here and I'm going, oh man, what I'm asking some of you to do is one of the most painful and hard things. I mean, if it was easy, you would have already done it, right? So maybe you just need to close your eyes for a moment. Maybe right now you just need to say, God, I'm not going to pray for a flower pot to fall on their head. I can't quite ask you to bless them yet. But God, so and so hurt me. And I need your help forgiving them. And right now, just Close your eyes and just say that to him. Maybe the person that you have to forgive isn't somebody else. Maybe it's you. Maybe what you need to say today is, God, I've really messed up. And I'm kind of holding that all in. God, I pray for me today. When Eli prays, he goes around the table and he always includes himself. And I laugh. And then I think how beautiful and precious that is to say, God, I pray for me today. That you'd help me forgive me like you've forgiven me. The truth is this. Forgiveness won't make sense outside of a relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, every Sunday when I'm done, I stand over here by the Mountain View and Five sign. Come over and talk to me. Because to forgive like Jesus forgave, if you've never been forgiven by him, none of this will make sense. So every week at Mountain View, one of the things that we do is we pass around some trays. And I never want this to get old. 
And on the trays, there's a little piece of bread and there's a little cup of juice. And today, I wanted to pause during this time. I want this to be a special time for us where you truly are able to acknowledge how much Jesus loves you, that he loved you so much that he had you on his heart and you on his mind when he was hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of the world. It wasn't just the world, they were your sins that he was dying for. And when we eat this bread, it reminds us that Jesus, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was spit upon, he had a crown of thorns pressed upon his head, and then he was nailed through his wrists and his feet because he thought you were worth dying for. And maybe you feel like nothing today. Know this, Jesus thought you were worth dying for, and he did. So when you drink the juice and you eat the bread, let it be a reminder of how crazy in love he is with you. Take your time, think about it. Ushers, would you please come? When the ushers pass the tray, just take the piece of bread, take the cup of juice. Remember how crazy in love Jesus is with you. Take your time.
love this time. One of the things I love about taking communion and participating in communion is it seems to eliminate everything else for just a few moments. And it's just me and just Jesus communing together. And I hope, I hope you had that moment, just a few quiet moments where you were able to feel afresh again, maybe, maybe for even the first time in a long time. He's crazy in love with you. We're going to kind of wrap up our time together this morning doing a few things. We're going to sing this song because this song just speaks some of the truth that we've already spoken. We've got two or three baptisms that are going to take place as we sing the song together. But if God needs to do business with you today in this concept of forgiveness and you're struggling, man, I'll be right over here. You're more than welcome to come over. I can pray with you. I can certainly direct you to some of our leaders who can pray with you. Um, and don't, don't leave today not taking care of this forgiveness business, at least starting to let the shackles come off that are holding you back. Pastor Craig will come up here in a little bit. We'll have our prayer time together. And then we'll go. But we want to create a lot of space for God to do in you what only he can do. So would you stand with me and would you sing and worship him?